0: and welcome to the Round 19 episode of Ref's Roundup. It's great to be back in the studio to chat about the weekend's games and what's happening in the world of refereeing. And a very lovely welcome to my favourite NRL referee, my favourite husband, Gavin Badger. I'll hit you up with a big one straight off the bat. What do you think of the stripping rule?
1: (laughs) The stripping rule, a bit topical this week. Um, Yeah, I actually like um, how it can change the course of a game and change momentum in a game. So I like... I like it. Um, I don't like officiating it, though. It can be quite difficult. But, um, yeah, for the true sense of the the law, I I like what it can do. You know, it can change momentum pretty quickly um, if a a team does, you know, legally strip the ball.
0: So that that unpredictable nature of it. Yeah. We'll get into it um, a little bit later in terms of, you know, those... Topical issues which came up over over the weekend and um, there's a couple this weekend. Yeah, and uh, we'll uh, also talk about sort of what we do as referees, um, what processes we go through to to try and get those right. But um, you know, for ourselves, we um, luckily got to run together on Friday night in Newcastle, which was is very rare for us to be on the on the same game. So that was that was great fun. Um, You know, getting to do what you love with you know with your partner is is outstanding. You know, seeing you on the field having a Bit of a, a joke and a laugh, and um, no, no, no.
1: we're we'll serious the whole time.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say in warm up, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was great fun, but um, we also had a, a pretty special visitor on Friday night as well.
1: Yeah, we had young Ruben come into the um, dressing room and hang out with us for a bit, and then post game, and um yeah, I was contacted throughout the week by his um, footy coach, actually, Ruben's an eight-year-old who plays footy up in Newcastle, and um, he has cerebral palsy, and you know, he, he loves rugby league, but he's actually taken a, a bit of an affection to refereeing at the moment, and um, one big thing I had to tell Reuben was that um blowing the whistle's an outdoor sport not an indoor sport
0: because <laughs> he's driving liked his parents advice. mad
1: um blowing his Acme thunder in, in, in the house and I was speaking to his grandmother as well and she said he scares the living bejesus out of her sometimes sneaking up behind him and blowing the whistle so <laughs> Reuben it's an outdoor sport not an indoor sport but yeah we got we you know these are some little things you know where you get to give a little bit back and and he, he absolutely loved it and we gave him a jersey and um, we got some messages from his coach the next day saying that he hadn't taken off. The only time he's taken off was when he had to play because they wouldn't let him play with it on and <laughs> he was giving the referee from his game a few pointers of what he'd learnt the night before. So <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really special, special night for us.
0: Yeah, he was a fantastic kid and um, yeah, his little brothers were there as well, Isaac and Lennox. Yep. Lennox was a little maniac. I'm <laughs> sure he'll continue playing footy when he gets a little bit older um, and his parent, parents were lovely as well so um, just wanted to give them a little bit of a, of a shout-out that it was, it was so great to meet them and, um, you know, to be able to see how happy Ruben was. Um, they were saying this is probably the last year he's going to be able to play rugby league just because of um, cause, cause of his cerebral palsy. Um, to be able to keep him interested in, in the game, um, you know, is, is fantastic.
1: And, and he did tell us that he listens to our podcast, so... <laughs> I hope you've taken that shirt off, Ruben. It might stink a little bit by now.
0: <laughs> we did give him a new jersey, not a uh, game-worn <laughs> one. So in that game, um, uh, West Tigers and Newcastle, it was was uh, 26-28 to the, to the Tigers in Robbie Farris' 300th. And that scoreline um, was similar across the weekend in that we had a lot of tight, I think five of the games were sort of within a four-point margin. So the competition is still really tight.
1: Yeah, and and to, to me it shows we've come out of that origin period now, and everyone's wearing and starting to work towards semi-final football. And there's you know quite a few sides that you know give or take you know two wins in a row uh, or two losses in a row can either drop in or drop out of that 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 eight. So, yeah, it, we speak about the the tightness of scorelines, and it's really tight for referees as well mm. in these situations where we know that you know every decision we make can have an impact on, on the bearing of a team season or our season yeah. as well.
0: So, yeah, even more pressure um, on the officiating group. Um, one of the officials on the weekend who didn't have his, his greatest weekend and we just wanted to send out some well wishes to him was um, Matty Noy. And we've given Matty a wrap over the last few weeks um, in that he had an eight-week layoff through a um, calf issue, a calf injury. Um, and when he came back, for about three out of the four games, he was winning like a marathon runner GPS award. And unfortunately, Maddie was involved in the Souths and Dragons game um, on Friday night. And unfortunately, he had to come off the field about 15 or, or 20, 20 minutes, minutes in, yeah. Yeah, into the game with, a, with another calf injury. Um, so we hope we know he'll do, be doing everything right to rehab from that. But I know how, how devastated um, he is. Um, with that came an opportunity for um, a young bloke who just made his debut we spoke about two weeks ago on the touchline in um, Darian Ferner.
1: Yeah, so for Darian, you know, and and you, you can speak about this a bit as well, you, you where know, you're you a free reserve grade and you, you get the opportunity at stages throughout the year to be the standby for the first grade and very rarely do you get to go on and and, and officiate and Darian, luckily enough, uh, you know, unfortunately for Matty, but lucky for, for Darian got out there to go out and, and take his opportunity and we talk about You know, it's quite easy to get some luck to get that, but if Mm. you're not ready for it and you go out there underprepared, you you can make yourself look pretty silly. But Darren went out there and held himself, you know, to the expectations that we have of of each and every member of our squad.
0: Yeah. So um, for for our listeners, I guess the way to compare it would be like a player being named as nineteenth as eighteenth man and a first grader going down with injury in the warm up. Yeah, with an injury in the warm up and then they get called up to play. So, you know, you prepare with the team and you're, you're there in case anything goes wrong. And the only difference with referees um, compared to like an 18th man with a club is that we can come on during the game. Yeah. Um, so there are to- have been times in the past where someone might finish the last 10 minutes of a game. They might do the entire game because someone goes down in the warm-up. Or in this case, um, you know, Darian got to do 60 minutes of the game. So I'm sure that was a, a big thrill for, um, for him and his family. Um, so with that, we'll move into the GPS data from this weekend, and the probably the tightest game of this weekend um, was the Melbourne and Manly game. And I know you and I were sitting at my mum's place watching that and making lots of um, noises, screaming at the TV and yelling, and how excited we were when um, you know the play kept kept continuing and leads changing and
1: right on half time of the. Um, extra time yeah. where the yeah the ball was thrown around it went one end to the other. How funny is
0: that as an official?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> f- yeah, it's terrific, and, and and that's the thing we're sort of like going, oh no, not another, oh no, just cause get then, tackled because yeah, you just know there's going to be a big decision to be made. So it was yeah, it was exciting, and it's you know the people that are sort of death riding golden point I think this one sort of if they were all like this yeah. I, I don't think we'd have that issue
0: yeah that's it um so invariably when we get a golden point game the um marathon runner goes to someone within that game and that was the case here with Peter Goff as the assist ref um clocking 11.1 kilometers uh in that match and I'm sure he would have been well and truly stuffed by the end of that because it was obviously a qu- high quality match, um, completion rates were 84 and 74%, um, uh, fairly quick play the ball speeds, low, um, relatively low errors. And obviously with the low, um, score line, you're not having those breaks for kicks at goal and stuff like that. So ball in play time would have been really, really high. And I'm sure, um, he w- would have earned a well-deserved break oh, on s- Saturday, yeah, oh, on I, Sunday.
1: I would guess that a lot of those meters had done it, um, with high heart rate as well, like you say, because he wouldn't have gotten a lot of breaks. So it's not like that These are run back meters from from tries and stuff. These are effort effort meters. So. And
0: uh, and with an assist ref as well in a, such a tight score line, so at ten or they would the the officials would spend less time in what we call two ref mode. Yeah. Um. So that means that for the majority of the game, Peter Goff would have been in the assist role. So we know we run higher kilometres and have a higher work physical work rate as the assist ref.
1: And, and and then on the flip side of that, at the back end of that game, and I would assume throughout the whole golden point period, your movement pattern changes as the assist ref as well. You're not moving in and out as much and getting in there to clear the rucks out because you're more focused on decision-making, getting all the decisions right, as opposed to, we still want the, the ruck speeds to be the same, but we've already set them up. Yeah. So you'd assume that those speeds are going to stay the same. So now it's all about giving yourself some room to be able to see the And them we,
0: when we talk about giving our Depth in um, any time they're in a field goal range, so anything within 40 meters, we don't want to be over those rucks in case they take a field goal yeah. attempt. Um, you need to one, you need to be out of the way because um, um, more often than not, they have two choice kickers to, kicker. to go to. Yeah, there's a, there's that second option kicker, so you need to be behind the deepest player, um, and you also need to be able to scan to see. You know, who's played the ball, who's in front of the kicker, because if that ball, if, if that field goal misses and it comes off the post, which we saw twice in that Melbourne Manly game, um, you need to be able to assist with calling the players who are on or offside from that field and, goal. And
1: the kicker who runs through if yeah, he puts if them the onside. There's, there's a myriad of decisions to be made. We've spoken about before around field goals and stuff like that. and. Yeah, it's, it, it can it's be quite fun. hectic. <laughs> That's why um, we do it.
0: The second award this week, our urgency award, um, goes to Ricky McFarlane. So one of our touch judges, um, we discussed a few weeks ago that we've started using G, putting GPS systems onto our touch judges. Um, it gets sort of changed around between a few of them each week. And it seems like every time Ricky's got a GPS on him, he's going to win this award because he absolutely smashes the numbers. Um, <clears throat> he hit the high-accel decels 145 times. Yeah, absolutely insane. As the touch judge in the Rabbitohs and Dragons game on Friday night. Um, If anyone, I know it'd be very uh, rare that anyone would do this, but if anyone does see Ricky's name down as a touch judge and you're live at the ground, spend just a set of six watching his movement pattern and it is very impressive. Oh, yeah,
1: he's a super fit human being.
0: Yeah. Um, Our Gazelle of the Week this week goes to another touch judge in Nick Bieschel. He's won this a couple of times as well. Um, He clocked just over 28 kilometres an hour in that same game. So we had two very fast touch judges on the Souths and Dragons game.
1: No excuses for not being positioned in that game.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So we've got quite a few issues to chat through this week um, from round 19. And, yeah, our main discussion point we wanted to to um, go through is that stripping rule. And I guess we want to talk a bit about how, as referees, do we judge um, the, the strips? How do we... Uh, what are our processes to make sure we get them right? Yeah. Doesn't mean we always do, and we saw that on the weekend, but... I guess what's the theory behind what we do?
1: Yeah, and it's one of the hardest, it is one of the hardest decisions we make now when it's an on the run decision because you're looking at so many different parts of this. So you're looking at how many players are in the tackle. Okay, now, you know, when's he starting to strip the ball? How many players are still in there? When the ball actually comes out? You know, and it, then uh,
0: when the ball comes out, does that player maintain possession of is, it, or has he stripped out? Is it now a loose exactly ball? Right. And if it's a loose knock ball, does he back? knock it on? Does the other player knock it on? Is someone so, offside?
1: So, so they, are, they are, yeah, really easy for us to get wrong. They really are yeah. because at the at the end of it, at the timing of when the ball comes out to when the players release, a lot of times we are guessing, not not outright guessing, it's an educated guess because it's near impossible to know. You know at different angles where players are standing, if one's dropped off when the other, you know, the other guy's stripping the ball, when the ball actually comes out, because it's not when he starts to strip the ball, it's when he actually yeah, takes yeah. possession of the ball. So that that's the issue that we can have there that, you know, the ball may look out, but there's still, you know, it's, it's just so many different yeah. minute, minute factors to to these ones. There's some that we, you know, that are a lot easier than others and we should always get right. Yeah. Um and there's the ones that I call where you know you you, you got you need a lot of luck to get them so, right as so well. So when you
0: talk about educated educated guesses, that's the other way we explain them is that we look at indicators. Indicators. So what are, what are some of the indicators that we look at um, when we judge on on strips?
1: Yeah. So there's a lot, a lot of the strips. It depends on where the players are positioned as well because each official will then have different roles to play in it. Because if I've got a really good look on the ball from the assist ref position, then I will start to then count. Numbers in tackles. And I will actually say it out loud how many players are in there. So I might say there's two in, there's two in, one in, one in. And then someone else might say balls out. And then I can go, well, at the time he says balls out, I know there's only one in. in. We're playing on. So we
0: marry up the information that you have with the other We're using
1: all our resources. Where there's other occasions where I might have the best look on all of the factors to it as the head referee where I can just see that there's two players in the tackle, one's dropped off, there's only one left in and out, and the ball gets stripped out with plenty of time in between that. So they're they're the ones that can be much easier, but it's about, for us, it's about communicating through the decisions. We talk a lot through the decisions, um, and the better you're doing that, the more likelihood of a correct decision in the end and And, and less of the guesswork.
0: Yeah, and the way teams are starting to do it at the moment and um, anyone who's watching the game would know teams like the Warriors, like Canberra, like Melbourne, like Cameron Munster's a a genius at it. Um, They play for it. They know what they're doing. Someone's around the ball. They'll have a call. They have a call. That's another
1: thing that we can utilise as well. Yeah,
0: where we hear them call whatever their call is for that, which lets the other defenders within that tackle know I've got possession of this ball, like a, yeah. I'm about to rip it out, drop off the tackle, and then they drop out um, with the ball. So that's another thing that heightens our focus to it, so that we know, like you said, to go one in, two in, or one in now,
1: yeah. or
0: what, whatever it might be. And that's the process that we use to do our best to get it right. Um,
1: so they and I, and I real and you know it's all out there now that the officials from from that Parramatta. Um, Warriors Warriors game won't be in first grade this week, and I really, really feel for those guys because I know how hard this can be, and to have that many in the one game, and you know, you know, the more you get, the more likelihood you're going to get one of them wrong, yeah. And you know, they generally happening, they can happen in critical areas of the game too. So a team's trying to change that momentum, so it might be, and the team's attacking the goal line, so they'll try and strip it out. So and
0: what seems to happen is that when we get one of them, we invariably get another or another it's similar to w- when we say when a team happens to push in the scrum or happens to trap the ball in the scrum and it's the like team. the other team go oh yeah we can do that and then they start to do it as well so it's not often that we only get one attempt in a game to do it. it's almost like you either get none or you get yeah. half a dozen yeah. that you're then going to rule on
1: and then it's like you say there are the, the particular plays in the game that are you know expert components yeah. at it and will continually test you every time yeah. they're in there so but i noticed mm-hmm. and, and you know, there's other occasions where it can fall against you as well, where you get a big bloke like John Bateman on the weekends running and, you know, they sh- they j- they drop off to strip the ball and there's one and then John Bateman just pushes that last bloke through, yeah. off and goes, thanks, you can try that with me every time, you know. <laughs> man, I wouldn't be trying to take the ball off him one-on-one. You yeah, know, so where that, end up.
0: That, that's the risk in, so that, in playing so that, for and it. And
1: that's where it opens up the game. Yeah. That's why I like the, the I like actual the rule. rule. I just hate having to adjudicate <laughs> yeah. on it.
0: So with, with that, we'll just um, discuss the change of the rule. So it's been – this is the second season – of it um although last year we didn't really see teams play for it quite as much not as much as no. this year
1: definitely not as much. um
0: there's been talk around and we Wait, heard can Steve. i just talk
1: about do you think that that's got a little bit to do with the fact that it came in sort of last year and they didn't really train for it in off season where they've had a whole off season with it and they've gone you know what let's let's actually work on calls let's work on you know particular players oh, they can do it or field positions to do it
0: i think it was it's obviously training for it, but I think it's waiting for a team to do it and do it successfully or a player to do it and then going, oh, yeah, that works. Because we look at that risk-reward, like, say, the John Bateman example. Yeah. I think that's where teams would have felt, geez, you know what? I. high risk. Yeah, it's, it's high risk that we drop off a tackle and then we, when we, and we cost ourselves when we've, we've got two or three in the tackle. We know we're gonna, we've got the ball wrapped up. Let's just complete and not make an error in, in a missed tackle. Yeah. Um, so with that rule, there's been some talk around and people would have seen Stephen Kearney's um, press conference after that game and his thoughts about the stripping rule. Um, I don't... I'd, and I'll, I'll get you to, to jump in with your thoughts, but my personal belief is that I don't think the rule is any harder to judge on now than what it was before. I think it's it was always the stripping rule was always difficult in that before we were judging um, was there ever two people in the tackle and it could have come down to someone laying one finger, a second defender laying one finger on on the uh, ball carrier before the ball was re- reefed out. So we're looking at the same things. I think now we just get play it. It's just we're making that judgment more often. So the individual decision, I th- I believe, is just as Hard, just as is is comparable. We just have more of it.
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit different. I, uh, yeah, I I think it's harder now. Um, Why is that? Oh, I just think because in the past, um, there was sort of like a you didn't have as many where play. So now we have to judge when a player actually drops out. Before we only had to judge if there was a player in there. Didn't matter when he dropped out. Yeah. You know, so now I think. But to me, that's
0: judging the same thing because you're judging is a player in contact. Yeah, but
1: I think now, yeah but that happens a lot less when now i think our judge uh, the, well, the reason i think it's harder is because our judgement has to be at the time the ball is stripped yeah so you've now got you know more factors and when all i had to judge before was was there two in the tackle at it's not at a critical time but, I, I, but, but I know I, trying, I, I know what you're saying Because i
0: think we're still we were still judging when the ball was stripped we were just judging when that second defender came in um but here we go. I think finally it's taken how many episodes that we've recorded for, and we're finally disagreeing on something.
1: What are you saying? We very rarely disagree on stuff. Oh, or just footy stuff.
0: Just footy stuff. Sometimes.
1: <laughs> no, we actually are pretty <laughs> much do, on the same page. Yeah,
0: th- th- we have had some arguments over laws. Yeah, that I ju- it
1: just personally, and, and, and yeah. maybe it's just a feel. I just feel yeah. um, it, it is much more difficult for me to judge it now. I find it a lot harder to know, you know, exactly when the balls come out. But yeah. that's that's me.
0: Well, um, so we'll go on to the those incidents which happened on the weekend. So um, there was the one, an incorrect penalty awarded against um, Chanel Harris Tavita um, for a strip where people, the uh, other defenders, had dropped out of the out of the tackle, and that was ju- exactly what you're saying in judging <laughs> that going. There were three people in, they've dropped out. Okay, have they completely released contact, come out of contact with the ball carrier before Chanel? Reefs that ball out. And the thing is that he can start the process of reefing it out. That's the problem. <laughs> but when is it completely out of the player's possession?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so incorrect penalty there awarded. And unfortunately, yeah, and points were, were scored off, off the back of that penalty, um, which made it a, what we deem a, a critical error. Yeah.
1: And Graham went through those yesterday. And for those that watch um, Graham's uh, press conferences, um, and he went through this game in fair detail because, you know, there seemed to be a few issues in it. But they they're all based around that strip, and I think with each decision in in that game, it's, it's virtually what we say. Except for there's probably one there where we look at and we go, you know, there's three in the tackle and the ball stripped out where you know we could have been better as officiating crew in that one. Yeah, that like was I the think, one
0: that I was going to touch on next. Yeah,
1: I think we we look at that one and we go, yep. You know, Between that's the four
0: officials on field, that's one we would expect someone to get.
1: Yeah, where the others, all the other incidents, uh, you know, and I know people are going to jump up and down and go, well, you know, you're just defending your mates or whatever, but. You know to me they're the ones where you're going to be right or wrong based on a fraction of a second, yeah, and that's what it is it's it's the click of your fingers whether you're right or wrong on those decisions and and unfortunately for for those guys on the weekend, they had a couple of those that they were on the wrong side of the click, yeah you know what I mean where you, know, you you think about a fraction of a second difference in when the ball comes out yeah. and they're correct and so and, and it's, it's, it's yeah. in that fraction
0: of a second and like you said before, and it's judging it on in the fraction of the second based on what angle you have so yeah. Yeah, the way a player, a defender's back is, um, might block your vision from in front of them. like, and I'm, I'm not going to go through like you know who had which angle or whatever. But say you're the, you're, you're the control ref at the time and you're in front of it, the ball carrier might be turned away from you, so you actually you can't see when can't the, ball can't see where the ball comes out. You yeah. can see that there's a defender there, but you can't see when exactly the ball right. is actually out, or vice versa, or from the touchline, there's an arm blocking it, there's another attacker somewhere in the way. So, yeah, it is but, difficult, but that's we thing, expect ourselves to get them right.
1: But the, Yeah, exactly, and on those ones. But that's the thing that really annoys me when you, know, you hear different people, whether it be commentators or people on social media or, or people just out in public wanting to have a chat, and they say, well, there's four of you on the field, how can you get that wrong? And four officials, two in the bunker, and there's six people out there, and they still get things wrong. There are some times when just the way things are positioned and, you know, yeah, we can go and find a camera angle that finds it, but there are some times where things are just really difficult to get. And same thing, I don't want to stand up here and look like we're just defending because there's no one – no one's a harsher critic on, on, you know, what we do than ourselves. Hmm. Like those guys coming in yesterday morning after that that, that game and what after they watched it, knowing that they had a couple of errors, they were filthy on themselves. Hmm. Filthy, you know, because we have high expectations of each other. Um You know, we work hard to to get everything right. But like players, like anyone in anything, sometimes we get things wrong. You know, it it is what it is sometimes.
0: Yep. Um, So the other controversial call in that game was the uh, Tuovasashek pass in the dying stages. Um, And I think if you support the Warriors, you say that it was fine. If you support Parramatta, you say it's forward and everyone else is 50-50. And if you
1: support the refs, you say it's forward.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I know that live... I.
1: We both jumped at it.
0: Well, well live I went, ooh, yeah. but then thought, oh, no, it's okay. But then on replay went, oh, no, that's forward.
1: And you look at the position of the referee. He's, yeah. he's in really good position but for But then that, you so. see
0: still shots and mm. from one angle... It looks backwards, and the other angle of a steel shot, it looks, looks forward. forward. And, and then you, you go, look well, at the position
1: of Roger's hand on the football, yeah. in front of it, and you think, well, it's going to be hard for it to go forward. Forward. But then you look at the way it comes out of his hand. Exactly. and you think, the oh, swing has of it, his arm. Because it's a flick pass yeah. instead of a, like a, a push pass. Yeah. And then you go, well, oh, maybe oh, has it hasn't. It could i gone forward. So I'm, 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 as a coach of referees, when I coach young referees, in these types of dis- decisions, I always say, if you're in the right position, yeah. I will support you. Yeah. If it's that tight that I yeah, can't if tell. You're that
0: type, you're, if you that and you're, so for
1: this one, I just say, well, yeah, yeah Chris is right there, and, and he sees yeah. it, and it was, I'm more than happy to support him on that it's one. It's a difficult
0: one, and that's the, and I guess that's the difficulty in games like this where that happens right n- near the end of the game.
1: That's, yeah, that finishes the game virtually.
0: If that happened earlier in the game, and we didn't have the other decisions in it,
1: or if it's twenty nil, or not as yeah. not as much
0: of a. As and an, we get that. And that's, that's an part of the nature
1: of the beast exactly. of what we do. We we live and die by those decisions.
0: So the other talking point of the weekend, which got slightly, no, I won't say lost, but um, a bit of focus got taken off it after that that Parramatta Warriors game, came out of our game. Yeah. Um, you love getting a bit of focus on your game, don't Seems you?
1: Seems to be, yeah. Since we've started this podcast, a lot of stuff happens in games that I officiate <laughs> that become issues out in the in the wild world that we have to come <laughs> in here and not, explain.
0: And they're not uh, decisions they're just, as they're such. Just out there yeah. stuff,
1: different stuff. So
0: we were on this game together, which like we spoke about at the top of the podcast was was great fun. Um, and we ran with Henry Perinara was the other referee and Tim Roby was on the other touchline. And that's a group of four of us who are a fairly close yeah Um, good friends we all get along really well and the four of us have fairly similar philosophies in terms of um, life life, (laughs) in terms of life in terms of refereeing preparation how we approach things and just our general attitudes towards things so that dynamic within the our team was was quite good um it was a good game in terms of the quality of the game it was close in scoreline great good crowd great event beanies for brain cancer up in Newcastle, um, so, you know, so there's always a good vibe around it. And we really, really enjoyed it. Then we get to the dying stages and do you want to talk through what happens?
1: Yeah, so we have a contested ball in the Ingo and it's uh, Michael Cheekham from the Tigers going for the ball and it's Ponger Ponga from, coming from his left and then it was uh Tao, Tao Mogo, I think, coming from um, his right. So they're virtually the West Tigers playing between two Newcastle players competing for a ball that's... You know, in the end goal, dying stages of a two-point ball game. So it is quite frantic and everyone wants to get this ball. Um, Michael Cheekam, in dying for the ball, misses the ball. Tao Tao Moga sort of bumps Cheekam, and, in doing so, pushes him towards Kalen Ponga. Kalen Ponga comes across. He gets shoulder contact with um, Michael Cheekham, um to the head and virtually knocks him out. Yep. So he's laying on the ground. We don't see this live. No. So we just see a competition for the ball. Ball goes dead. Players no on one ground. touches it, and we say twenty meter restart. And we have a process around how we do that. So as the assist ref, we sort of, I have a look, and I say to Henry, you can go back the thirty meters. I'll watch where the ball so, goes.
0: So Henry, as the head ref, is can start sprinting back to the thirty meter line in case a team take a quick twenty meter restart, so the game can continue. But you've got to watch the ball because you've got to see
1: long pass, long
0: pass, kick. Has someone thrown the ball away? Someone jagged, someone someone out jagged back. back.
1: Yep. And so, whilst watching for the ball, I noticed that Michael Cheekham hasn't gotten up. So. Um,
0: and, Gavin, do you have a heightened awareness of injured players on the field?
1: Yes, yeah, especially in that in corner Newcastle? at Newcastle. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I see that Michael Cheekham hasn't gone up. So, I, I let H know, stop the game immediately. Yep. So, at this stage, we still have no idea what's happened to Michael Cheekham. Um, so, I walk over and he's in a pretty bad way. So. When anything like this happens, the bunker will automatically go back and start watching replay. So Ashley Klein, who's the bunker official at this stage, um, then comes back to us and says, we've got some contact with Kalen Ponga on uh, Kalen Ponga's shoulder to the head of Michael Cheekamp. So now we're we'll reviewing and having a look. And so Ash comes across and, you know, in his assumption, um, in his, um,
0: and he, in his, his opinion, view and
1: opinion um, is that there's contact to the head of a, of a player, which caused damage, so he he deems it to be penalty.
0: Yeah, and and, and that was based on saying that Kalen Ponga was not playing the ball. Who was got? So he was, yes. go, so he just was coming across to block, to
1: block him out the way. Yeah, he was coming across
0: to block the player rather than to dive at the ball. Yeah, and you've got you've so it's not a competition for the ball.
1: So he's yep. made that that decision. Um, so contact to the head, player out cold for two minutes. So if we're going to penalise it, we only have, the only option we have then is to sim bin yeah. it as well. So the
0: only options we have there is either play on so play it's on, going to be a 20, 20 minute restart, restart or it's a penalty and a sim bin. Yeah. we can't just have a penalty
1: yep yeah. and so that's what we go with and yeah it was an unfortunate way for that game to finish and no one wanted to see it finish that way because it was a really fun exciting game of footy and uh, you know it would have been nice to see newcastle have that last one know, last one 20 meter restart seven good, tackle set and if they were good enough they win if the tigers defended good enough they win and then you know yeah that gives either of those sides still the opportunity. Then the talk is about that game and the
0: players rather than about us. And
1: and that was our thoughts when we come off the field. It was like, yeah, we think we officiated that game really well, but we hated the way that finished. In hindsight, we look back on it and we review the incident and it should have been the 20-metre restart option um, because the contact from Caelan Ponga was incidental. He was in the competition for the ball and a big reason why his shoulder actually contacts Michael Cheekham is because Tau Tau Moga from the other side actually bumps Cheekham into Caelan Ponga. So there's a lot of factors, yeah. but and this is why, post. and
0: Yeah, and I understand why that decision was made because on the field, like watching the big screen and then after the game, obviously, we, you know, we look at it on our, when we review the game and stuff like that. I understand because I, I thought, like I said, watching that big screen, I went, okay, yeah, I can see what's happening here. Caelan yeah, right. Ponga moves to, to the right and I thought, yeah, that he was trying to block the player. And yes, it is illegal because we've had this question sent to us on Twitter from some people in that, yes, you can shoulder for the ball. It's a challenge for, for the ball. But like anything, if you do something and you come into contact, contact with the head or neck of a player, it's it's still going to be a penalty. So you can shoulder in competing for the ball. The determination there is, is Kalen competing for the ball or is he not? Yeah. So if he's not competing for the ball, then he's made contact with the head or the neck. So yeah. I understand how that decision came came about. And there's still plenty of talk um, through commentary on um, you know TV shows, radio shows, on, over social media, news articles, where there are still people who believe that yeah. that should have been a penalty. So like it, it's split. it is fairly split. It's split.
1: And yeah, like yeah, you know, in the current climate as well, when we're looking at you know player protection and, and, player, and welfare, player welfare, yeah. um, I can understand why that decision was made. Um, yeah, and. and Match review committee, um, you know, they, they, they get to look at it on a lot of, lot of angles and they get to really break it down and that's why they don't charge as well. So, and end of the day for officials, we sort of just judge what we see and yep. and Ash made a call on what he thought yep. was there and...
0: And we move on. And we move on. <laughs> um, the main thing out of that is um, obviously that Michael Cheekham has pulled up, um, you know, relatively well from it. He was taken to hospital straight away, but by all reports... Um, He's doing much better now. Um, you know, he'll obviously be out like under the concussion, concussion. protocols and and all that sort of stuff um, for this for this weekend. And and I don't know what it is moving forward, but at least there's no um, further damage or more. You know, even more. Yeah, damage, for more which is for more great.
1: reports, he's in, in pretty good shape. Yeah,
0: um, and to see that interaction between Michael and Kalen post game as well, that shows the quality of humans of of both of them. In you know that or Kalen was worried about afterwards it wasn't himself and the penalty and him being simbinned, it was, you know, for the welfare of, of Michael and then for Michael to come back and shout out to him was, you know, really good to see quality of them.
1: That's why I love the game.
0: Um, in that game, I spoke to you afterwards in that while that was all happening, so I knew it was going to be a penalty and it's a two point ball game and, <laughs> the penalty would have been awarded 10 meters out from the goal line because it happened in the in goal and it was maybe 20 15 20, yeah, 20 so meters in from on the, touch on those, um, train sort tracks of on so. that train track and I was thinking to myself oh i wonder if they're going to kick for goal here or not so that if they kick for goal and they got the goal it would have put the tigers up by four, four points. points this is with whatever it was 2 minutes to go yeah. something like that
1: by the time they'd kicked the goal it yeah. would have been about a minute and a half the
0: alternative but then they know that newcastle would have a short would go for a short kick off you know, you're nearly 100% sure of of that and could potentially get the ball back. You know, if they scored and they kick a goal, that wins them the game. Or do we tap and run and attack against 12 12 players, players, back ourselves to either score or hand the ball over within that 10-metre zone? Um, So I just just thought it was interesting just tactically – you know, what they would do.
1: Yeah, well, at, 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 while um, Michael was down injured, we had a, a fair break <laughs> in play. And I remember walking over to Moses by and Robbie Farah and sort of saying, well, yeah, you know, you're getting the penalty here and, you know, what, what are you going to do? do? And Robbie sort of just looked at me and goes, I'll let you know in a minute. You know, he's like, we, we don't know yet either. Yeah. So I think they may have had that discussion as well of, what do we do here? Um, I think they're always going to take the tap and, and and attack and try and run down the clock. It um, was and get, interesting, and then just, try and get a repeat well, know, or something like that. Yeah, but, I just
0: think it was a good example of um, team team tactics. Well,
1: you saw it in the St George South game where St George get a penalty, yeah. kick the goal, South short kickoff, score, yeah, you know, and win <laughs> the game. And maybe <laughs> that was playing. History. Maybe that was playing on um, the minds of the West Tigers players.
0: Playing on their minds, Nostradamus, because oh, their game was the game? beforehand. Oh, there
1: you go. That's how long ago it was. Friday, Friday game. I've been saying for longer. a while that
0: you are going seen see so, all, so that's just another example of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll move on just to a couple of listener questions, but I thought the one that I really wanted to answer today, based on, um, you know, things that happened on the weekend, and I heard a lot of um, people on different NRL TV shows um, bring this one up, was should we have the captain's challenge? And any sort of format of that, whether it's that... We still have the video, like we still have the bunker, but we also have captain's challenge or we ditch the bunker, like as in yeah, yeah. us being able to refer to them. And we only have captain's challenge. Um, and it has been trialed before. It actually got trialed a couple of years ago. Henry Perinara was the referee. The game was at... Um, it was chal-
1: They didn't challenge anything, did they? And
0: nothing was challenged. <laughs> it was like the only game we had like six tries or something scored and not a single one was referred and nothing was challenged. So. And we
1: used it in the um, NYC National 20s comp for, for a couple of seasons as well. So, yeah. What, what's your thoughts on it? You refereed to it. I didn't really...
0: Yeah. So, I refereed for a number of years in the in the under-20s competitions where we had the captain's challenge. That was with no, um, no, no video VARF. referee. Um, and I don't like it. I understand why people ask for it. And we watch plenty of NFL we're big NFL fans and there's the coaches like you know yeah, so similar yeah. thing where they they throw down the flag and um, and challenge a decision the reason I have two reasons why I don't like it or well, three reasons actually I think it's all well and good for people to say oh well we just live and die by that but
1: yeah we yeah, don't live and die don't. by anything. They, they don't.
0: <laughs> Let's it, say that now. We just want
1: referees to make decisions. We don't check everything and if then we don't check something. If a runs
0: out of challenges and then something is missed and it's wrong, people won't... It doesn't won't,
1: save the hell, does
0: it? People won't live and die by it. and Or if we got something wrong as referees and it wasn't challenged because the players didn't yeah. know either, people won't live and die by that.
1: And people are going to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, the player should have challenged that. They're going to yeah. say, oh, another referee, uh, yeah. and Graham Anderson is going to be talking about it again on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> The other reason why I don't like it is that I think there's too many inconsistencies between what can and can't be challenged under what, that under the system we had with the and what uh, in that NYC competition. Because say I lost the ball somewhere near the try line and you got it and kept running and we played on and we didn't get a chance for a captain to challenge it.
1: And then you score two tackles later. All of
0: a sudden it's play on. So that was a scenario where you happen to not be able to challenge it, but then you score a try. And, or you do something and there was a break in play where I was able. So knock on and
1: then I I regather it. Yeah.
0: And then I was able to get to the referee to say, we're going to challenge that. Then I happened to benefit from the system just because of the type of decision, which was incorrect. Whereas you didn't get to benefit from the system because of the type of decision that was incorrect. So I just think there was too many inconsistencies there. And then. So, sorry. I mean no, right. the other reason why I didn't like it is that I was actually involved in a game in a semi-final um myself and Phil Henderson were refereeing Cowboys and West Tigers, Tigers. up in Townsville yeah. and there was a kick I contest said- or so- something going in where the Tigers someone would score a try and it was whether the foot was on the touchline or not. And it was so, so close. Yeah, it was a
1: really tight, tough call. I remember and the game. And
0: the decision, the on-field decision ended up being supported, which meant that the West Tigers lost their challenge, right? So they had no more challenges left for that half. Cowboys got up the other end of the field. So it was a li- they didn't waste a challenge. No, and this it, is it where was it's a legitimate about. one, yeah. yeah because,
1: but they lost it because it was so tight.
0: Yeah, like I understand why they challenged it. The Cowboys got up the other end of the field going to score a try. The player was out was touching goal and which was missed by the missed by the the touch judge and a try was awarded they couldn't, they couldn't challenge because they'd run out and that's the floor in this and that's the floor in the system so I, for me i just don't think it would work
1: well and my thing around it all is as a game we're pretty progressive like you know the first with bunkers two refs on the field like the the, the nrl are not scared to to you know just try thing yeah get in and, and have a go um and we trialed it for so long in the 20s if it if it was a system that worked w- worked and got benefit we'd be using it by now yeah it would be out there you know it's, it, i just think that we're a pretty progressive sport and we're a sport that are willing to go out there and try and look for perfection where possible i know we're never ever going to get it because well if you've got humans working anything we're going to have mistakes but you know we are so you know keen to sort of trial things that if, if it worked, we would be using it by now. So
0: mm.
1: yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of it either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've got plenty of reasons for that. Um, any other questions you'd like to answer this week, Gavin? Um, no, well, I think we're, we've got a list of them here, but um, I might just, I'll, I'll chuck one out there for you. What's your, what was your favorite ever game to referee? And what, I'll put a bit of a caveat to that. I want to take out anything to do with like debuts because yeah, it's yeah. hard to ever yeah, it's beat. It's always going to be those. Yeah. It's hard to beat de- debuts. Um, oh. Out of just, you know, your stock standard games that you've done week in, week out, what was your favourite was probably of
1: two. Like, I think my favourite, I can't remember the year, because there was a couple that, where it was the same teams and the same sort of, it was a semi-final Cowboys in Brisbane, up in Brisbane. And it was an absolute cracker. It you and Jerry, Jerry Sutton? Sutton and I. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but for me, it was the best game of rugby league I've been involved in.
0: 2016,
1: maybe. It was somewhere around there. Mm. It was, you know, it was one of the best games of rugby league I've ever been involved in, but really enjoyable as well because both teams just played footy, and it was a cracker. Mm. It was absolute amazing game of footy.
0: A great atmosphere, like yeah, yeah, CLL. you know, full
1: house, and you know it was obviously an important game, and yeah, you know, we just ran around. We didn't have to do a lot, so you could enjoy the game as well, if that makes sense. So, you know, we we obviously we worked hard to get the result we needed, but yeah, players just played footy. Um, so I really enjoyed that but um, I was fortunate enough in 2007 so you know fairly young in my career to go to Papua New Guinea to referee Prime Minister 13, uh versus the PNG Kumuls and uh, to experience rugby league in Papua New Guinea is something that I say everyone should do once if you're a rugby league fan because Papua New Guinea is the only country in the world that has rugby league as a national sport and it shows <laughs> like we turned up to the airport and I felt like a rock star I'd only refereed a handful of first grade games by then like was you know no one would have known me walking down the street here, but everyone wanted to come and have a chat, and everyone knew who you were. Um, the, the the game was insane. You had people climbing fences. We had tear gas going off, and yeah, you know, it was just it, it was actually a, a really good week. I got to go um, to Cairns and then Papua New Guinea t- touring with the team, so I got to hang out with the boys as well. So um, yeah, but the, that game was just you know you get to experience rugby league in Papua New Guinea. It's it's a whole new level, and you really you know see beloved and genuine love for rugby league that people have up there. So that's probably mine. What about yourself?
0: Um In terms of first grade, so just touch judging, um, probably a controversial one. People probably think I'm weird for picking out this one. But um the game was on last year with Chet, with Matt Checkin, um Cronulla and Melbourne, where oh, we the had... the infamous
1: sin binning of Cameron
0: Smith. Yeah, we had 31 <laughs> penalties or something. Cameron Smith got sin-binned. Um, Did you like that
1: one because you didn't have any game to referee because of all the penalties?
0: <laughs> no, it was just one of those ones where it'll be one of those games where in 20 years people will refer back to that yeah. game go, oh remember that game Yeah. and as a rugby league fan to be able to say i was on, on that game one. or i was part of it yeah i was going that's cool <laughs> like yeah. because there, there was a lot of pre- there was a lot of pressure on it and people talk a lot about you know oh ridiculous 31 penalties and blah 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 but the teams were testing us Yeah. Um,
1: they thought they thought the Chech was going to stop
0: yeah they thought he was going to stop and yeah. they continued to test and he stood his, stood his ground. Um, so I, I know he felt very uncomfortable with it. <laughs> I'm sure he's not going to say that's one of it feels his best. I, and I completely appreciate that it can be very different being on the touch touchline yeah, than, than being um, in the middle. Um, and the other one, touch judging, was um, on the line – I was on the line for the last ever um, City versus Country game. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. again, as a rugby league fan, um, I loved City Country and – Again, to be on something that was to be on something that's either the first of something or the last of something as a as a rugby league fan, it's like one of those moments and yeah. moments of history. Um, yeah, that was really good. Uh, refereeing wise, uh, there was that year where I spoke about that uh, semi final up in North Queensland. So, so it wasn't one game in particular, but I went through a run of about five or six re- weeks where Phil Henderson and I refereed yeah. together. Referee le- well. Yeah, leading into semi finals and through the semi final season, and that was just um, you know a real good bunch of of weeks and um, be something that i always remember. Um, so what are you up to this weekend, Gavin?
1: Uh, well, we had a lot of talk about strips and teams that strip. <laughs> Lucky and, and play you. Strip. I'm over to New Zealand for the Warriors versus Canberra.
0: So probably so the two, two, teams two teams that, teams that, do, that
1: do the, the most. <laughs> so I better, I better get some practice in this weekend. Good and, luck, and, buddy. And, yeah, work on my processes around strips because, <laughs> yeah, I'll be heading across there on Thursday for a Friday game.
0: Are you going to bring him home some chocolate?
1: I certainly will. Some Whitakers Jelly Tip. Yeah. S- seems to be your favourite, yeah. Peanut so
0: Butterfield one, the salted caramel one, <laughs> bring it all back.
1: So, yeah, I'll be over there, and then on Sunday, I'll be watching Young Referee out at North Sydney Oval. Beautiful. What do you got?
0: Um, very excited this weekend. It'll be in all my years of refereeing, and, and even in my f- whatever I've been in for however long I've been in first grade for, I've never been up to run on Suncorp. And this weekend, I this Friday night, I get to touch judge the Brisbane and Melbourne game. So, I'm <laughs> Pumped for that because it's obviously, it's a big game. Pretty, in it. pretty
1: good one to be your first up yeah, there. Yeah, it, it, you, you're, yeah. You're big well.
0: game in itself, but to, to finally get, it was the last of the regular NRL grounds for me to sort of tick off the list. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that one. And then uh, hopefully running somewhere in New South Wales Cup um, later on in the weekend. Um, so I've had a big day of, of podcasting today. I got to um, have a chat to the guys from Fergo and the Freak on their podcast this morning. How were they? They were good fun. Yeah. yeah really good spirited guys. Um, so sh-
1: I wonder if they saw the same about you.
0: Uh, on the podcast they did, whether, <laughs> whether, whether when I hung up they did or not. I don't know. But no, that, that was good fun. So to and then coming in to do this one with you is always a joy. As um, it should be. So with that, I'd like to encourage everyone to join our Facebook and Instagram pages. Facebook page is NRL Officiating and Instagram handle is at NRL Officiating. So give us a follow to keep up to date with what's happening in the world of rugby league officials across the country from under sixes through to the NRL. And if you're interested in becoming a referee, please visit refrugbyleague.com. Thank you for listening to this week's Ref's Roundup. Bye. (laughs)